Aloha, and welcome to the Women's True Voices podcast. My name is Kaleo Nahe Nahe Onalani, which means the warm and comforting voice of the heavens. I know that's a mouthful, so you can just call me Kaleo. I'm so happy that you're here with me today for this first episode of this podcast, with the focus on helping women to reclaim and share their true voice with grace, confidence, and love. I'm a heart-based, transformational, and spiritual life coach, a speaker storyteller, and a Hawaiian hula instructor. Everything I do is about empowering women, and I am passionate about helping women to find and reclaim their true voice because so much of my journey in life, like so many women, was about losing my ability to use mine and speaking up for myself, starting when I was a young child. I took on the belief and allowed others' voices and opinions to tell me what to do and how to live my life. I was afraid that I would not be loved and accepted. Much of my story is how I found my way back to reclaiming my voice and speaking up for myself with their confidence, grace, and love. And that journey from the last 35 years is what I draw from now for the foundation of Reclaim and Speak Your Voice with grace, confidence, and love. I will start my story today with my name. It's a long one, as they usually are in Hawaii. And yes, it is a Hawaiian name. Their names are long because they're a phrase, as mine, the warm and comforting voice of the universe. Or you can say of the heavens. The Hawaiians ask for a name from the ancestors just before a child is born, and it is usually given to them in dream time when they're asleep. This name is important because it tells the family what that child's purpose will be in this lifetime, so they can prepare for it. It can also take time, sometimes years, for the child as they grow up to fully fully understand their name and grow into it. I'm not Hawaiian by blood or birth, nor was I born in the Hawaiian Islands. I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and I was given another name at my birth that was chosen by my parents. I didn't receive my Hawaiian name until many years later in 1999 when I was in Hawaii living and studying Hawaiian spirituality with Kahilio Pua Wong. She received my name in Dreamtime and gifted it to me in a ceremony at the Kilauea Volcano on the Big Island. Now, I'm a professional singer, and people have always told me my singing voice touches a deep place within their heart, so it seemed appropriate for her to be given that name for me. But over the years, (laughs) it's become apparent that my name means much more than that, and the learning of it actually started when I was very young even though it didn't come to me until later in life. The gradual loss of my voice began in the first grade, and it continued through my school years and into my adulthood. One day in that first grade class, I finished a written assignment quickly, and I wanted to be of help to the other students who I saw were still struggling to finish theirs. Even at that young age, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and to be of service to others. Unfortunately, Instead of supporting my desire to help, I was reprimanded, told I was a distraction to the other students, and I was given additional written work to do to keep me busy and quiet. That just felt like I was being punished for wanting to reach out to help others. In the third grade, I was molested by that teacher when she had me stay after class to help her. 
Another confusing message, especially when I was told it was my fault, so I better not tell anyone I would be punished for being bad. Well, she was the adult and my teacher, and I believed her, so I told no one. I buried that memory deep of it, deep inside of myself. But the words of both of those teachers stayed with me, forming the negative inner self-talk and limiting beliefs about myself that followed me into my adulthood. And that racker-rackeroo was further fueled by my mother unintentionally. You know, my parents loved both my sister and myself, but they were older and from a generation that didn't talk about feelings and such. My mom had had a difficult and traumatic childhood, and my dad, a gentle and kind man, found himself drafted into the army and in Normandy during World War II right after D-Day, and he came home suffering from shell shock, what we call PTSD today. Now, he got on with his life, and he created a safe and stable home for his family, taking care of all of our material needs. But his voice became silent. He never spoke about those memories that continued to be buried inside of him, and he had trouble with his voice upon his return. It had become weak, and he would get laryngitis if he spoke too much. Now, he was a salesman, and he needed his voice for his work. So he would be silent much of the time when he was home to rest it. Well, I would talk to him and often near ho and, and often hear no response back, which just made me feel like he wasn't really listening and he didn't really care to hear. I didn't find out until many years later how far from the truth that was. My mom told me he also had a beautiful singing tenor voice and serenaded her with it as he courted her. But he never sang after he returned from the war. And I never got to hear his voice, nor as a singer myself, to be able to sing with him. My mother also had challenges being a mom. She had suffered several miscarriages, and she lost her first baby when it was only several days old. When she was pregnant with my sister, she was bedridden for most of the pregnancy and nearly lost her at seven months. And then my dad went to war, and she had to take care of my sister as an infant and herself on her own while my dad was away at war and not knowing if he would come home safely. Can't imagine what that must have been like. And what continues today for wives and mothers with their partners in the military and away on deployment. And it is no wonder that my parents spoiled my sister terribly, especially when my dad came home from the war and why she resented me when I appeared five and a half years later after she was born. And that I don't think my mom and I ever really bonded. You know, I think she was always, because of what they went through together, she was her favorite child. How could she not be? Now, I was told by a relative when I was an adult that she had told everyone when I was born to not give the new baby too much attention by taking it away from the older one. You know, when I heard that, that's when I realized, I, I think, you know, she had, a, had a, she struggled with that, you know, and again, it was understandable. She did the best she could. My dad was there for me non-verbally in those first few years. Um, There's always pictures of us always hugging, and I remember wrestling with him, tickling me. I loved it until I reached puberty about, you know, at nine and a half. It was early, the same time as the molestation happened, and he pulled back. I think it was my mom telling him it was no longer appropriate for him to touch and play with me that way since I was now a woman, her German conditioning. So 
I changed and I started acting out after the trauma at school. My cry for help. But my mom didn't understand because I never said anything and she didn't know what to do. I think she felt guilty too because somewhere inside of her, I think she knew she had favored my sister. And instead of trying to find out what was going on for me, she instead enabled me. Instead of encouraging and supporting me to do something um, on my own that I was uncomfortable about doing, she did it for me. She also questioned every decision I made through my whole life, thinking she was helping, until she passed in 2000. And that included telling me I needed a man to take care of me to survive. I couldn't take care of myself. The conditioning and belief, again, from her being in, uh, of an older generation. So these uh, negative inner, uh, inner self-talk patterns started early in life and just continued to be added to with the limiting beliefs that I had taken on from my teachers and leaving me believing I had no one to talk to. You know, I remember walking home from school one day when I was nine and a half, feeling that no one really cared to hear what I had to say, so why say anything? And that's when my voice went quiet and not telling anyone from then on what I was feeling. I remember that day suddenly becoming gray, like dark clouds had just blocked out the sun. And it started a low-grade depression that I carried into my early, into my adult life. Talk about being confused. So many mixed and negative messages coming at me at such an early time in my life that continued into adulthood. And of course, that affected all the areas of my life. You know, I struggled through my school years, always being told I was lazy because my grades were mediocre. I was told later in life that I had the potential to be the, in the top 10 of my class. I didn't know that. I was working as hard as I could. I thought it was stupid. Well, I also found out just about 10 or 11 years ago that that was due to a physical neurological condition I have called the Erlen syndrome. And then once I discovered it, it was easily corrected. And that's another topic for a future episode. But anyway, this pattern followed me in all my inti intimate relationships with men as well. I pushed away men who really cared for me because I think I didn't believe I deserved them only to allow myself over and over to be involved instead in toxic relationships, sometimes living with self-centered and narcissistic men. I even gave up a wonderful life I created for myself in Florida to marry a man who was a French-speaking Quebecois separatist and a widower of two sons, now two teenage sons. Now, this was during the time when they had their last referendum, and they did almost separate from Canada. And it was a confusing time. Um, I was drawn to being in relationship with him and married him because we did have a strong spiritual connection. We met through both of us studying with the same Native American shaman teacher. And so I stayed in that marriage for nine years, believing because of that, that I could make it work. Even with all the challenges of us being from such totally different cultures, and a language I didn't understand and couldn't speak well. The Quebecois French language is very challenging. I don't learn languages easily, and I was not able to learn it fluently enough to lose an accent that I would have needed to lose to be accepted into the community there, including with his family. I spent much of that time there without a voice living in silence and feeling invisible and not being able to engage with what other people said. <laughs> I can't tell you how many family gatherings I remember being at where they would all be talking 
and interacting with each other. And I would just be sitting there in silence, waiting until I could be released when we would go home. It was torture. Then when I would become a motor mouth, when I was with English-speaking people again, like I was trying to make up for lost time and I'd drive them crazy. And I sometimes didn't even realize I was doing it. Well, I was finally able to learn the lessons I needed from that experience for the marriage to end and I was able to return to the States, only to find I had nothing to come back to. I had burned my bridges when I had moved to Quebec and the world had moved on without me. My parents had died and I found I had no home to go back to. And there didn't seem to be a place where I could go and just land for a while to regroup until I could decide where I wanted to actually move and where I could create a home and a sense of place and purpose for myself. Yet another story for another episode and another chapter for the book that I will be writing soon. At the same time, I came into this world with a strong sense of spirit within me. And, um, and with that desire early on to be of help to others, as I discovered in first grade. And through all this confusion and trauma and drama in my life, what the Hawaiians call pilikia, that strong sense of spirit pushed and motivated me, before I even understood it, to look for answers to why I was here and how to find peace from all the emotional pain and confusion within me. When I was a young adult, I moved to New York to pursue a singing career. More importantly, that move started me on a spiritual journey. As I continued to search for answers and healing for myself, I was also developing a toolbox as a teacher and now coach to help other women who struggle with these same issues. That included becoming an authorized teacher in Jinshin Do Body Mind Acupressure from 1998 to 2007, a voice specialist, singing teacher, and sound healer, and apprenticing with a Native American shaman for 14 years, helping women through ceremony to connect to their divine feminine. It all helped, but in the late 80s, I was still looking for something to help me heal my body and heart from the wounds, both emotional and especially physical, that were still there. I was introduced to the indigenous Hawaiian spiritual practices then through Hula, their dance of the heart, and I finally found the answer I was looking for. Both my body and my heart began to open up and feel alive again. And that started me on a, on a journey in relationship with the Hawaiian culture that continues to this day, over 30 years later, with amazing opportunities I have had to travel to Hawaii, sometimes two and three times a year, to live and study with these I'm mean, incredible master teachers there. I'm still amazed at how blessed I have been with these teachers I've had the opportunity to work with and how generous they have been, been in what they shared with me, a non-Hawaiian. Now, it started with Hula which is also called the heartbeat of the Hawaiian people, being their unique form of storytelling that embodies everything that is, is Hawaiian. And I have been given permission to share hula here on the mainland and in the southeast from Kavai Kapuo Kaleni Hewitt, who I began studying with in 2004, sharing his lineage as a hula instructor in a non-traditional school of hula that I was given permission to create called the Halau Hula Pu'uvai Oloha. This also led to my study of Hawaiian spirituality and learning about living aloha with Auntie Pua in 1998-1999, and she is who I mentioned before, who gifted me with my name. And I now study with Mahelani Kuamo'o Henry. She is a Kumu Elele o Nakapuna, the messenger of the ancestors, teaching the ancient Hawaiian internal 
teachings, wisdom of Hawaii. I feel so honored to have worked with all of them and especially with Auntie Mahalani now. So I've always been passionate about wanting to help women and have been doing that in some way with the tools I've experienced and used in helping myself over the years. You know, but it became more so in 2016 during the presidential campaign, as I was hearing women begin to speak up for how they were mistreated with the Me Too movement being formed. It became so apparent that it's time for all women to reclaim their voices. Each one is unique and needed in this world. And that it is even more so today with all that is going on in the world, world around us. It is the women and the divine feminine energy that is going to bring about the change that is wanted in this world today. This is what my Native American shaman teacher always spoke about. And this is why I created Reclaim and Share Your, Your Voice with Grace, Confidence, and Love, and why I'm now doing this podcast. It is to inspire and help women to reclaim their true voice, the voice of their heart, and embrace their spiritual greatness. It is to help us to remember that we are all one family, regardless of country, culture, and background. And it is through love, the Aloha Spirit, that we can maintain harmonious relationships with our heart, mind, and spirit, the sacred land, and our human family, and create a world of peace, joy, and acceptance. So, this is the end of my story for today, and to be continued. <laughs> Mahala Nui Loi. Excuse me, where did that come from? Mahalo Nui. <laughs> Thank you again for being with me here today. And I hope you will join me again next week. I will be introducing the other woman of the team, Tessa Kidd. She is my sidekick, my personal assistant, and I couldn't do what I do here without her. And she is a certified compassion coach and a wife and mom of three amazing teenagers. She is an avid journaler and a former blogger who wrote for years about her experience in raising her children. She is an amazing and a loving woman, and I am so excited to have you hear her story to experience who she is and what she brings to reclaim and share your true voice with grace, love, and confidence and love. In the meantime, if you would like to know more about us, you can visit www.kaleowheeler.com. That's K-A-L-E-O-W-H-E-E-L-E-R. Kaleo, you can't remember the spelling of your own name. <laughs> You can also visit our Facebook group, Women's True Voices, and we would love it if you would like to join our family Ohana by becoming a member. You will find tidbits there about living aloha, uh, be able to connect and dialogue with other sisters, and stay informed about all the events and classes and opportunities that are being offered. Right now, we are starting to offer some monthly classes in helping, especially women, in dealing with um, how all of this negativity around us with this election and everything else is just aggravating and, and making all those negative voices within us so much stronger. So we're sharing simple and practical tools on helping um, to, again, quiet that voice, to hear instead the voice of our heart as we continue to go through all of this confusion, uncertainty, and and. Uh, unknown unknownness is that a word <laughs> um so if you'd like to find out more about those classes you can find out about those at women's true voices so ahui hao till next time
And thank you so very much for listening. Aloha Pono. E Oh, yeah, yeah.